Hallelujah. 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 Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. In the meantime, you we can get our scripture ready. Is in Matthew twenty seven. The death of Jesus. Mm. Uh, the, the, the death of Jesus. Hallelujah. The death of Jesus. That's Matthew 27. And uh, we will start on uh, 33rd verse. Hallelujah. Just going to wait just a few more minutes. And if you would like to to write notes, whatever, um, we'll just do that as well.
attitude that we must learn and grow. And the only way we can grow and know of him is to study his word. Um, Study his word and build a relationship with Christ so that we can be um, a mirror image of who he is um, in our lifetime. And without knowing Christ, um, we don't have anything. We can't do anything. But with God, the Bible says that nothing shall be impossible. Okay, Father, we thank you for the word tonight already. Father, hide us tonight. This is your word. This is your ecclesia. Help us to go into your word and to come out never the same again. God, hide us. Give us pull distractions from our mind, our body, and our spirit. God, help us to get into your scriptures and learn of you. Help us to be the women and men of God that you called us to be. God, change us and mold us and keep us. God, do not let us be detected spiritually by the enemy in any way to distract us or to control us or to stop us or block us. For the Bible says that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. And every word that rises up in judgment, we shall condemn it, God. So we can condemn everything that's not like God in our path, spiritually, physically, emotionally, and financially. In the name of Jesus, all we want is you, Jesus. We don't want money. We don't want houses. We don't want land. That's wonderful. But right now, our most important thing is that we build a relationship with you. Because we know even harder times are coming. But you promised us you shall uh, never leave us or forsake us, and you will make provisions for us in the midst of our trials, in the midst of our situations. God, show us your glory tonight within your word. Your glory in your word tonight that make this night be a wonderful night in the word of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. This book of Matthew was written by Matthew. Uh, His other name was Levi, and he was um, tax collector. We're just coming into tax season, so um, tax collectors are people usually that know how to collect money. They know how to handle um, their finances. And Matthew was also um, a Jewish person, so he knew the laws of the Jewish nation. He knew how to snaggle and get what he wanted in the laws as well. So and Matthew himself was walk with Christ. He knew of him. He knew who he was. Amen. So he uh, was not a hidden figure, but a seen hidden person by God. And Mike, uh, his his um, purpose uh, in the book was um, that uh, Jesus Christ himself was all-knowing. Uh, in fact, that the Jews waited for leaders who had been promised 
centuries before. And so he knew that there was a word and no there was a leader that was coming to the earth um, to take care of all the issues in life. So his primary purpose was to want to be a friend of Jesus's and to proclaim the gospel and let them know that there was a king that was coming that could handle all of our business um, in Jesus' name. Amen. So, uh, so again, we are in the book of Matthew, the book of Matthew, starting at verse 27, verse, um, 27th verse. Um, this book here primarily talks about Jesus as being the king, uh, the Messiah, uh, the kingdom of God, um, and the resurrection. So those are like mega um, themes of this particular book. So anywhere in this book, you'll find out Jesus as the king, Jesus the Messiah, uh, the kingdom of God, and the resurrection itself in the book. Amen. About the time we get to um, the 27th chapter here. Um, it's talking about the resurrection uh, when Jesus was uh, getting ready to die and he would be born, uh, come again. But the crucifixion is when they actually began to destroy him. They would, uh, they would actually physically kill him. Jesus will never be killed in the natural uh but only uh, he would be buried, he would be used to be, he could be destroyed in the natural body. Okay, but when we give our lives to Christ, we are no longer um, natural, but we now move over to a spiritual mindset. Well, here is a representation of the crucifixion of Christ. Amen. Um, and the death of Jesus was was monstrous. The death of Jesus was uh, was vicious, mean. But the thing was that Jesus um, refused um, to let that stop me from doing his his um, destiny. He he was a man that was born to die. I can't tell you that there are a lot of people that are born to die, but we do know that Jesus was four years ago spoken of as a savior, a a, a king that was coming to answer all our problems. So here was a man that was born to die. That was his purpose. That was his destiny, just to die. For the whole world, the whole nation, the whole, everything eternal. And the word eternal means um, forever and ever and ever. But that was Jesus' purpose, was to come uh, through the womb of Mary, um, have a child, uh, um, be with him 
for 33 years, and then he that was his death. He was going to die. Uh, all of us are not born just to die. In other words, Jesus' purpose was to die so that you and I might have the life, have the right to the tree of, of life. Now, there's a right to the tree of life so that if you give your life to Christ, okay, you will now take on the right uh, to the tree of life. Now, God himself uh, created the universe simply because of love. It wasn't about you had a big car, you had a big house, you would have family members. But his whole attitude towards us was that men have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And he's making, he's made a way so he can come back and reclaim us because he just purely loved us conditionally. God loves us unconditionally. No foretaught, no nothing. Jesus just loved us. You know, and that's, that, that is awesome that somebody would love you so much, no matter how they act, no matter what they did to you, no matter what they said to you, that Jesus loved us, humanity, mankind, to be born and to be, to die because of his ultimate love. Okay. So, now, uh, and through all those things that he's gone through in his lifetime, Jesus only lived 33 years of this, on this earth, this physical earth. But in those 33 years, Jesus did miracles. He did signs. He did wonders. He did great things. He left a mark on the physical earth realm because of his greatness, because of his humility, because of his character. Um, Jesus was king of kings and lord of lords. No matter what was going on, he loved us, again, unconditionally. But by we get to the book of Matthew, okay, um, the enemy got busy. He, he got busy. And he ended up in the grips of a king. Uh, so we're going to start uh, primarily at Matthew. 27, and we're going to start where it says here. That's verse 33, the crucifixion, my Bible says. And when they were come unto a place called Golgotha. So this was the place of the burial grounds of Golgotha. Golgotha in the Greek means bones, the bones, the skull. Of all the bones in the body, when you die, um, the last thing that is in your bones is the skull itself. The skull is the harder, the hardest bone in the body. 
so they might not see it. They might find bones, or they might not find bones. But most of the time, the skull is the last thing that would disappear, okay? So this particular place was called the skull or Golgotha. It was a burial place. It was a place um, that the people would go for burial, like a graveyard that we have modern-day grave guard. Um, it was one of the most places, things that could happen when you would be uh, cruelly, shamefully put to death. Okay. Uh, and it was supposed to have been years ago as a place uh, where the queen Nimrod um, was founded in Babylon and a Babylonian system. It was a mysterious place. And they would get together and they would um, have ceremonials in the burial ground. Because so, um, remember the Babylonians were, they were considered the, the, the bad guys. They would do anything for anybody at any time. And so they created this place, a burial place called um, Galgafa. And it was primarily put there for the worst criminals. It was the thieves, the murderers, um, and places like that. And this was the first uh, uh, burial ground where they would nail the people to a cross and the hands would be extended out as much as they could and they feet were nailed together on the cross. Um, and then they would lift their bodies up at the last moment and they would purposely pull up the cross as high as it could go, and then it would go, dump it into the ground. Okay, almost like the defiance is saying, this is it, this is done. And they would drop the cross into the ground, my book says, violently. Okay, and when he would do this, they would do this. When they would put that thump into the ground, um, the bones on the bodies of the people uh, would just actually some parts would just come apart. So it was a violent death of the people that were put on the cross. They would stretch them out so far apart till their bones would begin to just fall apart because of the tensity of the strengthening out of the body on the bones. Okay, so it was a very human, dehumanizing method to kill people. Okay, um, because men, didn't, they didn't love one another. And there were about, um, there was so much nastiness and all kinds of things. And then they began to actually to mock Jesus because of what he believed as well. So 33 says this, and when they were come unto a place called 
Golgotha. That it is to say a place of the soul. 34, Matthew says this. There gave him vinegar to drink and mingled it with gall. Okay. Um, that vinegar. Have you ever taken vinegar? And if you just drink vinegar by itself, it's very, very bitter. In fact, um, it makes you feel more thirsty um, than usual. And they said this gall, this gall was something that was mixed with the vinegar to the point that when you drunk this this gall, what happens was it's supposed to make it so that your suffering wasn't as bad as you thought it could be. It's almost like a um a medicine if you feel bad and you have in pain. That's what this gall was. And when he had tasted therefore when he when Jesus paid tasted that gall thing um, um, he didn't want to take it, it says, because um, he wanted to actually suffer. He wanted to, to suffer um, because he knew that was what it was his purpose, okay? It says, when he had tasted, therefore, he would not drink it. So he didn't, he did not want to be sedated but he wanted to feel the pains and the aches and the suffering on the cross. My God, you mean Jesus, you mean Jesus wanted to suffer for me. That's what he said. He says, and when he had tasted thereof, that he would not drink. So he didn't want to take the vinegar. He didn't want to take the, the gall because it was to sedate him, and he would not be able to taste or feel the suffering of mankind. 34, uh, and Matthew says this, And they crucified him and parted his garments. They crucified him. They stretched his bones as far apart as each other. He was bleeding. He was hurting. He was suffering just for you and I. That a human being would love us and yet not know us until 2,000 or so, or even earlier. But because Jesus loved us, he suffered for us, and he didn't worry about how painful it was. So how how do we then justify that when we go through things that we don't, we want the pain, we want to be miserable, we want to be sad, we want to, those things because they enjoy suffering. They en- we enjoy the pain. We we get mad and because it's, it's sometimes it feels good just to be miserable. But here, Christ Himself 
said um, that he suffered the pain and agony. He didn't want to be sedated because he wanted to be partakers of our suffering and our fellowship. My God. And they, they cast lots for his clothes. My God. Um, that it might be fulfilled because it was a prophecy that that would happen and which was spoken by the prophet that they parted my garments among them among my vesture my vest, my garments my clothes and they did and they did cast lots in other words decided they wanted to gamble they wanted to figure out who was gonna who was gonna uh, get the money, who was gonna get the garments, uh, who was gonna get the rec- the recognition that I was the one that um, allowed uh, the Christ to die, and then I wanted his garments. I wanted cast lots. I wanted the lottery. That's what people say a lot of things about the lottery. Uh, but it does not say that the lottery is good for you because it's telling you that God's, the Lord's um, garments were gambled for. They were paid for and by Christ. So it wasn't a good thing, okay? He says, they parted my, Jesus, uh, okay? He says, they parted my garments. So Jesus speaking, my garments among them upon my vestiture, and they cast lots. My God. So they were gambling over Jesus' clothes. They were actually watching him die, stretching him wide, bloody, blood everywhere. They had already beaten him on the way to the cross. And and the fact that they decided then they wanted to to strip him of his clothes. They had beaten him so mad that he eyes went all out of joint. His arms, his legs probably been beaten and battered by trying to, to carry and pull a cross to up the hill to Galgasa. But the last thing you want to do is now to stretch him wide and to take off his clothes. That is how cruel the world is now. The world is so that people don't care whether you're, you're rich or you're poor. They just want more money. People don't like you but they'll take every dime from you. People don't respect you, but they'll like you in front of your face, and when you walk away, they'll go talk about you. Why? Because the love is wax cold. But even the neck of Jesus being the situation, he was still holding out and doing his job. Because he, to the very end, uh, 
wanted to do his assignment, which was die for the whole cross, even his clothes. And when they took that that that, that cross and lifted up high, I had a big thud right down there. Every bone, every joint, every sinew, every tear. Uh, uh, and even when, no matter that his bones and his face was enormous, uh, the blood was dropping everywhere, Jesus said it. he didn't want to be uh, put to the point where he was sedated. He wanted to suffer for us. He knew he was going to die for us. And he didn't shirk his responsibility. He didn't throw up his towel and say, I'm done. And say this, just say, no, um, um, let's get out of here. Call my host of angels. Let me just get up out of here. Okay. He knew he was the Christ on the cross. He knew it was only a matter of time. He knew that the sky was going to become de- uh, 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 dark soon. He knew that he was going to go down uh, to the pit of hell and get the keys to the kingdom. He knew all this. In the midst of agony, pain, suffering, he was, he was crucified. But yet, he did not stop. He did not give up on his responsibility because Jesus loves us. I don't know about you, but I don't think that I could have withstood the pain. I don't think I could have suffered. And then, and the fact that Jesus would see his mother him beaten. Something about a mother that loves her children. There's some mothers, some women, um, where they carry children, uh, but they have no connection with them. But Jesus loved um, uh, Mary, and Mary loved Jesus. Even the extension, the, 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 how he was born. And, and she said to the angel, well, whatever is your will. She loved her child before she met him. She loved her child when there was the wedding. And he commanded them to go and bring some, um, some bells because he was going to produce some fine. He loved his mother even till the death do part and to suffer and watch your mother your, your your son die and all he wanted to do was love and create miracles all he wanted to do was be about his father's wisdom but he knew the cost he knew there was a crown waiting for him he knew that in the end, that because of the eternal father, that God was going to win in the end. 
but in the process of the vain pain and the agony, tears, he never questioned God. He never truly questioned God. All he knew that I had to go and meet my destiny. I had to go about my father's business, even though my my outstanding man, my my outer man was in suffering. My spiritual man was glorifying God. So even in our bodies now, we have to look and understand that see our outer bodies is a a a physical force. It is the outer man. It is not the man that can get you into heaven or hell. But it's your outer man. Okay. So you can speak to yourself and say, um, 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 this is the mind of Christ. Why? Because you can command it. God says he's given us in our tongue the power to speak life and to speak death. Jesus could have just spoken and let everything subside. Again, he could have called his boys and said, get me out of here. But because of the love nature that God has for his people, he endured hardships as a good soldier. And he speaks to us a lot of times to endure hardships as a good soldier. It doesn't doesn't make sense sometimes. You tell me to endure hardships as a good soldier. Well, if it's so hard, why do I have to put up with it? If it's so hard, why do I have to deal with it? But God's teaching us many things in the midst of our trials. He's teaching us how to suffer. He's teaching us how to pray. He's teaching us how to hold on. He's teaching us how to hold out. He's teaching us a lot of things. He's teaching us how to grow. He's teaching us how to to build relationships with him and people around us. So it, sometimes it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good to be chastised. It don't feel good to be rebuked. It doesn't feel good um, because especially when all you really want to do is right, but you're trying to do right, but somehow it doesn't, it doesn't work out like I wanted to work out, but I just have to hold out and hold on to God. It doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good when the money is low in the bank and mama needs, I need shoes and kids need money and it doesn't feel good, but in God, Jesus says he will make a way of escape. When we really make up our mind, we want to give our life to Christ. When we really, really make up our mind, but sometimes we make up our minds to it, and about two or three days later, we change our mind again. Well, we want to go the other direction because they're fed up. Again. Jesus knows everything that we're going through. He knows everything that we're going through. 
36 again says, and sitting down, they watched him there. They watched him there. You're talking about the disciples. Some of the disciples, not all of them, but some of them. You talk about the people were right there watching Jim, Jesus die. They sat there and watched his suffering and fought over his clothes. Can you imagine Jesus sitting on the cross and saying, forgive them, forgive them? Now, the humanistic part of me would say, you've got to be kidding you want me to watch him to forgive them for what they're doing to my Lord, my Savior, my Elohim, my God, the God more than enough? But that's what it says. It says, and sitting down, they watched him. The military guards, they watched him. And they were, they watched them executing him, executing him. Um, and their duties were, were to watch because it could have been some of his disciples coming up there trying to stop him. But I think some of it they, they endured watching the persecution um, uh, because maybe the disciples, maybe they figured the disciples was coming down to try to get him down off the cross. So we don't really know um, for sure. Well, they said that. Amen. They watched him. 37 says this, and they sat up over his head. The word says accusation writings. This is Jesus, the king of the, of the Jews. So they decided they were going to put the sign up that says, this is Jesus, King of the Jews. But what they they didn't realize was they thought it was a mockery. But Jesus Christ was born a Jew, but he died for the whole world. Jesus died for the whole world so that you and I might have the right to the tree of life. He died from before he was born in a sense because he was with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. So he died for the whole world, not just for the Jews, but the whole world. 38 says, and and. Then there were the two thieves crucified with him, one on the right hand and another on the left. So Jesus wasn't the only one that day, um, that time, uh, being crucified. And there were two other people there, and they were also in trouble. They were also... Uh, being uh, crucified could be maybe for robbery or anything else, other things, but he wasn't the only one. But it says that there was one on the right and one on the left. Usually when you see the word, uh, the number of right, 
the right represents kingship. Okay, most of the time. So you had the right and the left, but they recognized that Jesus himself had not done anything wrong. Here's thieves, here's liars, but they knew that Jesus had not done anything wrong. But the Jews, Jesus didn't like him. The Jews was a threat to them. Jesus, the Jews was sitting there watching everything was going on. Uh, but the, the, the thieves knew that Jesus was a man that was not guilty. Isn't it amazing that the Jews who was, Jesus was born a Jew, but they, again, didn't like him. They didn't recognize him as king of glory. But these unlearned people, these thieves, these murderers, they recognized that Jesus was the king. Jesus had not done anything wrong. So you can be in a situation sometimes where you didn't do anything wrong, but because you were in their company, that you have to suffer too. You know, that's why I remember when our kids or mom would tell us when you get older, when you hang out with people sometimes, you get up in the wrong place at the wrong time. Amen. I know I myself had a son. He died. And uh, he died because he was in the wrong place at the wrong time, choosing wrong friends. So we have to ask God to pray and to ask us, to give us directions as to who to befriend and who not to befriend. Now, I'm not talking about uh, salvation. I'm not talking about uh, leading people to Christ. But I mean your, your inner circle because if you don't be careful, you pick up the wrong people around you that are not of your not a part of your um, your inner circle that God has called you to. And sometimes you end up making, making, making um, major mistakes. I remember my, my son that passed away for years from a little kid. He was always telling me, he says, Mom, he says, um, I've always had these dreams of riding uh, on the, 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 the wings, on eagles, on eagles' wings. And, I said, yeah, he said, Mama, he said it would be in my my brother, my brother Frederick, every time I would see those dreams. And he would always tell me when he was little about these dreams. So God can have it in destiny for you. But when you choose wrong choices, when you wrong, find the choice, uh, wrong places, if you don't make the right choices, and pray, and then you wait on God. Sometimes we make wrong decisions. Well, here, these two men, they had made wrong choices, whether he was a thief or whatever, how he did it. They were they made wrong choices, so they ended up to the right and the left of the king of glory. But then again, they weren't on the right, the wrong places or the right places, because they ended up in the same place where Jesus was being crucified. 
Amen. It was right there on the right hand and the left hand of God. 29 says this. This is Matthew 27 and 29 says, And they that passed by reviled him and wagged their heads. In other words, they were looking at this, 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 these people, this man on the cross, bleeding, bowed, face out of joint, mouth hanging, all kinds of things, but skin hanging off of them. And these people had the nerve, it says, that they uh, that passed by and reviled him, wagging their heads, saying, oh, poor thing. Look at that. That looks nasty. So you can't always revile folks. You don't know what people are going through. You don't know what attitudes that people have. We don't know a lot of things in life. But we, the Bible says, judge not lest ye be judged. 40 says this, and says, and saying thou that destroy the temple. Building. It is three days. Save thyself. If thou be the son of God. So now here's the devil talking to him. He said, if thou be the son of God, come down from the cross. Come down from the cross. So if you're so popular, if you, um, the Christ, if you are the king with your crown, your own said, and you have all this great power, just come on down. And you're reviling. You revile me. You, you, you look terrible. You look mad. You look torn up. You look beaten. And you on the cross with the, the, the two thieves there that burst the dogs and, and then, but you talk about this power because I look up and you see that thing that I'm the king of the Jaws, Jews. So just come on down if you've got all that power. See, that's the enemy talking. Sometimes we can't let the enemy talk. And if you listen too long, you begin to, to go along with him. Okay. The enemy has no power. The enemy sells wolf tickets. The enemy it tries to make you feel bad. The enemy likes to intimidate you. The enemy likes you feel like you worse than a dog. The enemy, that's his job to, to frustrate you, aggravate you, to, to make you feel bad about yourself. That's the enemy's job. But you know that we are who God says we are. We are the chosen generation. We are the royal priesthood. We are the holy nation. We are the son of the living God. We are. And when because of that, that's why we talked about the other week, that when God lives in us, he has moved in. When we've given our life to Christ, we have access now to the host of heaven that the host of heaven now has taken up residence in us. But that's why Jesus could sit there and take that. Why? Because the host of heaven has now stepped in him on the cross. And he knew he was king. 
He knew he was going to be killed. He knew, but he also knew that he was going down to the pit of hell. He was going to take the keys to the kingdom, and he would get up, and he would go forth. And then he told he knew he had the Holy Spirit, his buddy saying that, I must go away so that our comforter comes. Somebody's coming to take care of us. He's, there's somebody that's going to make a way for us. It's somebody there going to be there every time I need him. Somebody, the Holy Spirit himself, he said, but the enemy's job is to stop you, block you, hinder you, and sell wolf tickets. But Jesus knew what he was doing. It says again, 42, and he saved others himself that he cannot save. But if he be the king of Israel, let the king now come down from the cross, and we will believe him. In other words, so if you come down off the cross, I believe you what you're saying. But if you don't come down from the cross, I don't think I trust you. But he trusted in God and let him deliver him now. In other words, God, if you trust God, deliver him now. Let him get up now. And if he will be, save him. For he said, I am the Son of God. 44 says this, and the thieves also which were crucified. So he said, don't just let me get up. What about those men over there? You said on the right and the left of you. Okay? Crucify with him. Cast the same in his team. My God. But, 45 says, and now, from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land to the ninth hour. My God. And about that ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice. So towards the end, even though his body was stretched wide, I'm sure blood was coming from everywhere. His face was unrecognizable. But he got enough strength to cry out to God. It says, Jesus cried with a loud voice. Some people don't cry. But I don't understand if God cries out when the time of need. Men sometimes refuse to cry out because they feel that sometimes, oh, it's not manly, or, oh, it's not necessary. But when you get in the pit of perils, you need to cry out to God. Well, he says, and about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice. So he was, oh, Lord, come help me. But he cried out. He cried out with a loud voice. But what he said was, Eli, 
Eli, Lachama, Bekach. That is to my God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? In other words, at that moment, the humanistic part of him, that outer man of him, cried out and said, God, why did you allow this to happen? The human man in him, the outer man acknowledged the pain and the suffering. The outer man acknowledged that he hurt and he didn't understand. Like we have to understand there are times in our lives that we will not understand what God's doing. We will not understand why we need to go through this. Why we need to know and feel, God, did you forsake me? Did you forgive me? Something happened because I, even myself, the night my mother died, I said to God, why did you take my mother? Because the outer man was suffering the loss of the one thing that I know was a surety was there for me. And we're all going to go to that, that, that day in our lives when we go through things that we say, God, why did you do this to me? Why did you allow this happen? Why, God, God, I don't understand these things. But sometimes in our lives, we just don't understand. But God will always. That's why he constantly says, he says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Even in the midst of your trials, in the midst of your storms, in the midst of your troubles, in the midst of nothing going wrong, going right in your life. God says, I will never leave you. Once you give your life to me, son or daughter, I will never leave you even until the ends of the earth. I got your heart and mind. I got your spirit and mind. Even in the tears, even when you ask me, God, why do you leave me? I'm still there for you no matter what you go through because that is the cost of true love. That is the cost of, the, of, of true love. That Jesus cries in his language and says, my God, my God, why thou forsake me? Why? And some of them that stood there when they heard that, when they heard God say that and said, this man calleth for Elias. And straightway, one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar. They wanted him to die. And put it on a reed, like a pole, and gave him a drink. And the rest said, let be us to see whether Elias will come to save him. In other words, you're crying out to Elias. So is he going to come? Is your Savior coming? 
is this Jesus that did all these miracles? Is it common? But he still cried out again with a loud voice. He said, I yield up the ghost. In other words, God could have easily got up off the cross. But he gave his life freely for humanity. He gave his life freely for our sons and daughters. He freely gave up his life because he loved the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. He came down, walked 33 years, went through a terrible agony, suffering, that his mother watched him die with his disciples. Mary's husband, Joseph, had been dead by then. But he did what God called him to do. He was born to die for the sins of the whole world. He died that you and I might have life, a tree of life. He died. But when he died, God allowed to expose some of his power. In other words, when he died, the earth shook. Not just Jerusalem, not just any other country, but he shook the whole earth to say, let me hear, I'm in charge. He shook the people, got up out of graves. He shook the universe because of one man in a bodily form named Jesus. He was the same God of Joshua. He was the God of God, of glory, king, a mighty master. He was the supreme living God. He was eternity before eternal was in existence. And that same God, he was born to die for the universe. And because of that, we all are here tonight. Because of that, the whole world is existing. So we've got to learn to pray for this existence of our God. Because we're now living in an age and a day of people that um, uh, Timothy says, in the last days, men will become lovers of themselves more than loving God. The desperate they don't care, they're the useless, they're arrogant, they're nasty, they're mean, they're controlling, and it's all about me. What about me? What about me? I need a car. What about me? I need a house. Uh, what about me? I need clothes. What about me? What about me? What about me? It's because the nature now of the average person is I want everything for me. And nothing really matters for everybody else. But Christ died on the cross so that we might have the right, we have that right to the tree of life 
and the tree of life in our hearts is towards God. We have that right. We have that obligation as believers in Christ to go out and witness the souls. We have that right. Because Jesus died on a cross for us. He didn't deserve it, but he did it. He didn't have to do it, but he did it. He loved us, so he did it. He cried out and said, Elias, because he knew he was going to see the Father and the kingdom where Elias would be one day. He was king of glory, mighty in battle, and then he said to us, I must go away. It is an obligation that I, Jesus Christ, must go away so I can send you. So once I go up, the Holy Spirit will come and make a way for you. The Holy Spirit will open doors. The, the Holy Spirit will give you your needs. This Holy Spirit, the host of heaven, is not just only in heaven now, but the host of heaven resides in within you. You have that God within you. You have that Elohim in you. You have all the hosts of heaven in you at hand. So whatever you need, God has given it to you. If you need faith, he's given it to you. If it's money, he's given it to you. If it's children, he's given it to you. If it's whatever you need, he's given it all in you. When he's given your life to Christ and you are walking in his will and his way and you're waiting for the manifestation of what we need on this earth today, this hour, this, this second. Because the signs of time are here, that Christ is on his way back, and he died so that you and I might have access to the, the, the tree of life when we give our lives to Christ, just like those two thieves on a cross between him on the right and the left. They knew they were wrong. But Jesus told them, he said, he says, that one day you'll be with me in paradise. Because he acknowledged, they acknowledged that he was the Christ. And he didn't deserved the suffering. He didn't deserve the beating. He didn't deserve the, the disfigurement in his face and his body. He didn't deserve to be whipped and beat with his feet to the bottom of his feet. He deserved it. He didn't deserve to let his mother watch him die only after 33 years on the earth. He didn't deserve everything he got. But because he gave up the ghost because of us, because of his his compassion and his love towards us. Now we can have access to the tree of life because of his blood. His blood has power. His blood sustains us. His blood holds us. His blood keeps us. 
His blood protects us. The blood, the DNA of Christ lives within us now. Jesus, the King of glory, mighty in battle, Rahakadish, the God more than enough, the God of a second chance, the El Elyon, the El God, the shepherd man of God himself. So, saints, I want you to know we have access to Jesus Christ because he died. And if Jesus can cry and say, Lord, have you forsaken me? Sometimes we need to check ourselves and say, God, forgive me. God, hold me. God, wash me. God, sing me. God, teach me to do whatever you want me to do so that one day, when I leave this mortal body, I can take up presence with the King of glory. Father, we thank you for the word tonight. We thank you for the Holy Ghost. We thank you, God, simply because you love us. Words are infallible to prove. Words don't seem to be so important right now because we know you died on the cross for us. God, if there's anything that we could tell you more clearly and more dearly other than that we love you so much, we praise you so much, we thank you so much, God. Even when we were in our sin nature, that you watched us and you took care of us. And, Father, we thank you. God, we praise you. Thank you for dying on a cross for us. Thank you for taking all 39 stripes that will take care of every disease on our body. Thank you, God, for loving us when we were just stupid and crazy and did no better. Thank you, God, that, God, you've shown us the way. God, let us be who you want us to be. God, take care of us in the midst of our storms. God, you promised us you'd take care of us, so I'm not even going to worry about that. But, God, make us closer. Draw us closer to your will. Draw us closer in a place. And we bind the adversary in every imp, every devil, ever. You have no power and no dominion over me. Why? Because I realize that the host of heaven resides. The exousius power of God lives in me. Again, the exousius all power lives in me. In this body, it resides in Glenda. And we tell you thank you. And we praise you. And we thank you for the sweet selling Savior of Jesus Christ himself. Elohim. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Amen. And amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. I turn the floor over right now. So.
whomever would like to say anything and uh, uh, any comments. Thank you, Jesus. No, I just thank God for that wonderful teaching. Thank you, Lord. On the whole, on the whole study on what happened with Christ, what that love He had for us and all He went through. Thank you for how you how the Lord let you break it down to us. That was beautiful. Sometimes we need to think about that to appreciate our salvation more. So he really drove that home tonight. So thank God uh, for giving you that message for us. So God bless you, my my prophetess. Amen. It's, it's, when you really think about that, what Jesus really suffered for us. Now, I know we go through our little changes. We know the world things are rough. We know our kids drive us crazy. But really think about what Jesus gave to us. He came down from heaven. He came down for us, all of us. That's the church in the church. He came so he could redeem us to him. He, he made it possible that you could do what you do. He, he, he did whatever, because, and just because of love. He didn't do it for money. He didn't do it for love offering. He didn't do it for big homes. But just because of his love and his compassion to love us, when some of us are just unlovable, but he loved us. He died. He suffered. He cried out to his father in heaven. He took the keys to death and the grave and came down and got up. And when he got up and he spoke it, people were getting up out of the grave right and left. Why? Because he loved us from before he knew us. And that love is awesome. That kind of love is, is awesome. And he wants us to be like him. He wants us to love people like he loves us. He wants us, to, wants us to deal with people as he wants us with them. That's why we've got to look in the mirror and see Christ and not see us. Because of his ability to love us unconditionally. That's why every time the children of Israel went to the desert and created great sin, did all kinds of stuff. God, he forgave them what they had to go through. But when he got to the New Testament, he just forgives and forgives and forgives. We're stupid, we lie, we cheat, you whore hunger, you do all kinds of things. But in the midst of all this stuff, he says, come on back. Come on, baby, come on. Come on to daddy, come on, come on. Why? Because his ultimate unconditional love for us in every area of our lives. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Glad you enjoyed it. Um, Apostle Erica. Amen. 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 We 